Hey, this is Sarah Jessica, and thank you for tuning into my podcast, Hot Shots. This is a podcast where I interview Canadian musicians, artists, and arts industry professionals about what it's like to work within the industry. So basically the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. So I'm Sarah Jessica. I'm a Hamilton-based music and arts journalist, and um, you can follow me on everything at Sarah's Hotspot. I don't usually plug myself on here, but I figured I should probably do that. Either Sarah's Hotspot or like Sarah Jessica, Sarah Jessica Rinchima, my last name, all that, you know, you'll you'll find me somewhere. So um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and today I am hanging out with someone who is very cool, someone who I've known for a few years, and um, I'm very excited about this little conversation. All right, so today I'm hanging out with Stephen James. He's a Hamilton-based tattoo artist and illustrator working at Grey Harbor Tattoo on James Street North here in Hamilton. You can find Stephen online at Mr. Stephen James on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and his website at MrStephenJames.com. Hey, Stephen. Hey, how's it going? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm honestly, like, really tired today, and I don't know if it's been, like, this brutal week of heat or not, um, but how are you feeling? I'm the exact same, actually, for today. I'm mm-hmm. going to blame the heat. Do you mm-hmm. know, like, I, I question when everyone, during the winter, I understand it's difficult. Yeah. But I question when they're like, oh, I can't wait for summer. I'm like, do you forget what Ontario summers are like? Mm-hmm. Like, it is, that was excruciating the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, you can't even, you can't leave your house. Like, it's getting very no. bad. No. No, I do the exact opposite. I hibernate usually during the summer. Right. Yeah. yeah it's not healthy for me. <laughs> no, me either. And um, you just created that website, mrstephenjames.com. Uh, how was that? Did, yes. Yeah. What platform did you use? It's Squarespace. Squarespace? Okay. I, I really wanted to get, um, it professionally done because mm-hmm. I just do not have that eye as much yeah. for web design and it's just something I respected more than to just be like, oh, I'll learn this overnight. But unfortunately, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> no, I did the exact same thing. Mine is made with Wix. And um, oh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've heard a lot better things about Squarespace. Wix is, you know, it's up and down sometimes, uh, but I make do. So, how was it? Oh, it was stressful. I think I spent <laughs> two solid days inside mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Because it, it was... I deleted everything off my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I have an art show coming up in July. Yeah. And I realized I have a zero online presence without that Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, oh, I should probably have something for when I do this art show for mm-hmm. people to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, good idea. I mean, the website looks great, honestly. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. yeah, no problem. And yeah, I um, I, I wouldn't have thought that you that was like your first crack at it. Like, I think it looks great. So. Yeah, I think um, like a side hobby of mine is doing kind of graphic design. Okay. And like, I love making people logos. That's like a little weird passion of mine. Cool. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I might need to hit you up for that then. Yeah. yeah I totally. do need one. So. Yeah, and um, uh. I guess kind of the first question um, jumping into our topic today is uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. I am born and raised okay. uh, on on the mountain. 
Cool, cool. Uh, and then I just, uh, I left probably in 2004. Hmm. And I moved to Vancouver at that point. Yeah. How yeah. was that? What's that? How was that? Oh, it was great. Yeah. I was yeah. going to uh, film school. Cool. In and the beginning. So, and it was just, you know, you're young and uh, that like new adventure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know where, what I was doing. I only went with like a couple dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope for the best. It was great. Yeah. And uh, how would you compare Vancouver to here in a uh, good old hammer? <laughs> that's a tough one oh it's so tough like no matter what you say it's everyone's gonna be like well it's vancouver of course it's gonna be beautiful mm-hmm. uh because it is it's it is a stunning city it's yeah. designed to be that way uh, the only thing that was hardest to get used to in comparison to ontario is the lack of sunlight mm. yeah because i remember one year i was there it was 33 days straight of just overcast, rainy, and, and that, like, that gets to your soul. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's, like, that is their winters. You know, like, it does snow, of course, mm-hmm. and I know lately it's been, they've had, like, these freak snowstorms going on there, but for the most part, it's just damp, and, like, to your, like that, it chills, it goes to your bones, kind of snow. Mm-hmm. And like wet wetness, and uh, yeah, it'll just be gray for so long. Gross. Yeah, and I think that's why it's just in the summer everyone goes hard with yeah. like the mountain climbing and just being outside all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up, what kind of art did you grow up around? And like, is it anything like the kind of art you're into today? Oh, that's a good question. I grew up. Is somewhat. It is starting now, I would say, to intertwine. Mm-hmm. My father used to be a painter, and he would do, like, mural paintings, like landscapes, and he would just, with his friends, like, help out on their walls, and sometimes he'd just bust out these things. Cool. Uh, but my brother was an artist, mainly, and uh, he would just, I remember, this, oh, this is going to age me, but when computers <laughs> were kind of first coming around to the mm-hmm. home, Mm-hmm. He would like use this, like the mouse with that the big ass two buttons, mm-hmm. and he would do like Sailor Moon, like sixteen bit, thirty two bit drawings. Cool on this thing, and I re- that's like some of the earliest I remember of art, and how it intertwines today was I first my first exposure for myself is was comic books, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. That was like my main goal for mm-hmm. sure. And I would say it's intertwining now because my style in tattooing is more illustrative and I'm actually kind of going back into that realm a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you want to get into comic books at some point? I don't know. I really don't know. It's been off and on throughout years. I'm like, I'm going to write this. And like I, I create this like big epic in my head, or I'll jot down notes, mm-hmm. and then uh, all of a sudden, it's like two years later, I'm like, oh shit, I was doing that, wasn't I? Right. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's just yeah, like sixteen years later. Um, it would be fun. I don't think I have the capability of drawing in that way. 
Okay. Because there's so many different types of drawing. Like it, it's it's like classifications. Uh, that's probably the wrong word to use, but it's 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 sequential art. Mm-hmm. Like with tattooing, it's one piece. Here it is. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Whereas in comic books, like it's you're drawing the same character, facial expressions and different angles, all the theory and the dynamics of it all. I don't know if that's my path in art at least right right totally yeah it's i feel like it's like a completely different talent you know like it's like it takes a certain takes a different kind of discipline different kind of style different kind of work ethic it's like it's all they're all very different all forms of art and illustration right yeah yeah it's i always say it's like it's comparing like the healthcare system let's say like if you're a dentist doesn't mean you're an optometrist mm-hmm. it's like yes it's this broad spectrum of health and you can say that with art because it's just this broad spectrum but that doesn't mean it's my calling just to be able to do everything mm-hmm. 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 who did you feel as though uh was the first artist who spoke to you and when about did that happen oh that's that's going deep into it okay <laughs> i'm gonna run through my head here for a second yeah that's fine go ahead first artist it would have definitely been a comic book artist okay okay i'm gonna go past that if you don't mind yeah uh because i don't think like as i was younger i don't think it hit me with the way i realized but the first where it really started changing my direction in art is alex gray okay and he does he's more known for doing the uh album covers and the album art and the videos for tool Hmm. yeah the band tool and uh he has these beautiful galleries that uh, are in new york city and they are his art is absolutely unreal if you see it live Mm -hmm. and it was the first time i saw art in a transformative and meditative way Mm -hmm. definitely yeah cool do you feel as though you take specific influences from him I do, yeah. If you look yeah. at my color theory, and yeah. my tattoos, and some of my work, uh, you can definitely see some matching undertones. Cool, cool. And uh, when did you feel as though you first became very passionate about visual art? When did that sort of transition happen from like casual to, you know, you were looking at this as something you want to do for the rest of your life? I'm going to say I don't think that happened. Okay. I really do think, yeah, I don't think there was this moment for me where I'm like, this is what I'm doing uh, and this is how it's going to be. I just remember being a kid. I'm like, oh, I like comics. I'm going to do this. And I'm just, I was doodling, drawing. And once that grade 11, 12, high school, you kind of focus more on your social life, I would Mm -hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And that became dominant. So I didn't, I stopped reading comics. I didn't, I didn't do too much of that anymore. Uh, and tattooing, especially, there's no part of me that was ever expecting to tattoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was never, never in my scope at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember I wanted to go to Sheridan and I was going to like to take illustration. Uh, and my high school for grade 12 dropped art entirely. They just got rid of the art program. What? 
yeah, isn't that crazy? That's so weird. And I remember we had to have this like meeting with the principal and it was just this big fiasco. Being older, I understand now, like the, the problem was not enough students signed up. So mm. they couldn't afford to That's keep it going. That's tragic. Right? Wow. And I understand that, which is still unfortunate in its own right. Yeah. Um, but then I had to change schools. So at that point, at that point, I really jumped into being in the unknown. Like, I feel like if you're not grown into it, it's kind of a big deal to like just jump into a brand new school at grade 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like, you have your whole staples and your grounding of friends. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're just like, nah, I'm going here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of changed a lot of things for me. That's when I started looking at comic books more actually as a writing. And I remember I used to, I was a smoking section kid <laughs> and I would always carry a notebook around with me and I was recording everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, I was going to write this comic just based off like social daily life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was probably when big things started moving for me. Like that was my grade 12 art project was like writing this comic and kind of creating a whole, platform of that Mm -hmm. and then i just totally dropped it right because then i went to do film yeah 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 so (laughs) it's just completely 180 yeah so you fully you changed schools because uh that high school dropped the art program yeah yeah yeah. were your parents it was a tough decision for sure oh i bet were your parents really supportive of you then yes they were um i already had i already had one brother oh two older brothers um I already had one brother that was at OCAD, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a visual artist from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, my other brother was in the same realm for mm-hmm. things. So um, I'm very lucky that my parents they were supportive in deciding, like just letting me do what I felt I need to get done. For sure, yeah. I mean, most parents I know. And most parents I know of like musicians and artists and everything are, you know, have the opposite opinion, right? They want that to be yeah. a hobby for their kids, and but not like a full-time job, right? Yeah, you know what's weird is my mm-hmm. parents were the opposite in the sense that I remember my brother wanted to do, he wanted to be a hockey player. <laughs> and usually that's like every parent's dream, right? They're like, yeah, it's like be a sports star. But uh, mine were like, oh, no, that's just a hobby. You're not you're not going to do anything with that. <laughs> but then they were supportive about being art, or like mm-hmm. artistic. It's very interesting. Cool. I love that. That that would be my kind of parenting, honestly. Um, oh, you think so? <laughs> I think so. I'm not. I, I know absolutely nothing about sports, so I relate to that a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The only reason I, I don't or I, I don't see that anymore, or I can't see that is because I saw the damage it did to my brother who wanted right. to be a sports player right like yeah. he felt he was unsupported so i was like oh that's probably what most artists felt i bet right yeah, yeah so that's unfortunate yeah and um you said you took inspiration from you know uh the artist who created you know tools artwork and so you have that kind of like that musical influence in there um but do you feel as though you take inspiration from like television shows from like from other forms of media that then you put into your your illustrative art yeah the biggest yeah 100 percent. the mm-hmm. biggest the biggest influence i get is from actually old folklore books okay i love like reading is a pretty big passion of mine and mm-hmm. anytime i travel i usually go find 
uh, folklore books of that country. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll read those and I'll like, I'll bookmark, I'll highlight. And a lot of the flash pieces, what we call them, for tattooing are based off old uh, traditional folklore stories. Mm-hmm. Music is another big one. Me, like, there's nothing better to me than buying, like, when back in the day when you buy a CD. Yeah. And, you know, you just, like, you open the package and it smells so good. Mm-hmm. And you look, like, when there's, like, the certain bands that cared about that, at least, right? Mm-hmm. You look at them and it would just be this whole production. Uh, I got a lot of that influence from in how I do my website, like you were saying earlier, and how with my merch from Nine Inch Nails, actually. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. 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 And uh, when were you introduced to tattooing? The timeline's going to be so... I'm probably going to be wrong about some of the timeline here. <laughs> That's but, okay. Uh, I know I know. I was in Hamilton still. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point, I dropped out of Sheridan, mm-hmm. at which I went like, for illustration. And it was just not happening. I was going down a darker path. And then I was working at Blockbuster Video. Nice. I'm going to say this was 2004. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when I was working at Blockbuster Video, just the tattoo artist came in and we were talking. Uh, and I, I used to be that guy at Blockbuster Video that you go to for the recommendations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like straight up like the critique or like the critic mm-hmm. or like all of that. And uh, eventually after talking a couple times, he, <laughs> we, we made a deal, I guess you could say, <laughs> that... Uh, He'll teach me how to tattoo for, yeah, <laughs> then censorship on that part. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Blockbuster community respect. <laughs> Got to maintain, you know, the blockbuster memory, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going uh, to help him watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's cool. That's a good yeah. deal. What's that? That's a good deal. Yeah, and again, like, I had tattoos, um, and I don't know why. I know my first ones were based off of Alex Gray, mm-hmm. and there were, like, two eyeballs on my wrist, and I was barely young. Mm-hmm. I must have been in grade 11. Oh, wow, yeah. Which is, like, super, like, looking back on that, I'm like, that must have been so scary for my parents, right? Yeah. To be like, oh, my God, this what, grade 11, what are you, 15? No, you got to be 16. Did you have so to I get... Must have got them. Yeah. Did you have to get permission from them to get it? Or was this like before yeah. that was a thing? Yeah. No, she, yeah, she came with me. Huh? Like my mother came with me. Cool mom. Yeah. And she, you know, just like these little Italian family. And yeah, I can imagine her just sitting in like, especially back in that time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when it was just like death metal or like skater music playing and like unfriendly. And she's just this like old lady just sitting there mm-hmm. in a chair. <laughs> That's super but, uh, so that's how that kind of transitioned because he saw I had tattoos and um, he told me to get a portfolio ready and meet him at his uh, shop. Mm-hmm. shop. And uh, that's how it started. Cool. 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 Yeah. So you were tattooed before you started tattooing. I was. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, had, uh, I probably had about two or three at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that, that's I mean, that's hardly anything. Right. Two or three. And, yeah, um, uh, yeah. And do you remember, did you picture being fully tattooed at that point? Um, how did you view tattoos? 
this is the weird part. I have no idea. Yeah. Like, not an idea. I Nothing about me has ever been like, yeah, like, you know that reverence you hear for tattooing amongst tattooers? And it is like ride or die for a lot of tattooing or tattooers in the industry. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just like stumbled into, oh, I'm like, oh, I, oh, I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah. Like, this is cool. And I, that sounds so bad for all the people that are like hustling to get in <laughs> but like it's a different story from that moment to when i got in the mm-hmm. hustle that had to happen from there yeah. yeah uh and i like there's some of me probably just out of my own ego bashing that wants to be like i just thought they look cool i was that weird kid that did acid or mushrooms and like during high school and you know i had like tinted glasses mm-hmm. <laughs> just completely pink floyd mm-hmm. mentality mm-hmm. no i think that's half of it just like people wanting to look cool especially when you're young and you get into it like that's i think that's half of it yeah it was probably creating an image is what i was doing at 16 17 like mm-hmm. i was i was trying to find my voice right yeah yeah do you remember the first tattoo you ever did <laughs> yeah i do yeah definitely uh yeah it was like later in the evening and at this point so usually you traditionally start by doing an apprenticeship right mm-hmm. uh but i didn't have too much of that like i believe i apprenticed for about three months and i was at this point i was leaving like i was going to be moving to vancouver to do film uh i wasn't like guaranteed or set in stone yet but i had like the plan in motion and in my head, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just like tattoo as a part-time job while I'm doing film. But uh, during that time, it was the evening, and I was with my uh, probably my best friend. And uh, <laughs> it's really disturbing what people will, uh, maybe not now, but when you're friends, like when you tell them it's a free tattoo, and they're just like, sure. <laughs> like not even, not even taking into consideration, like <laughs> the fact I've never even held a machine before. Okay. And I didn't. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, the guy set it up for me, like, I guess the mentor, I guess you'll call him. And he was like, have fun. And he left. Mm -hmm. And again, I had no idea the needle depth, the power that needed to be involved, what was happening. And there there were so many shady moments that I just had to kind of problem solve through. Uh, And luckily, I still get to see it, like, almost... uh, Every week. <laughs> wow. Tattoo. Nice. Yeah, so he's nice not holding. Reminder. Yeah. So he's not holding too big of a grudge against you then. No, he kept coming back. It's that's yeah, that's his own problem at that point. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> what was the tattoo of? Do you remember? Yeah, it's a oh. skull. And it had like, I think like, a, uh, yeah, like, a, like an 80s style skull where it's angry and it had like fangs. Nice. nice. Yeah, I know I have a picture of it somewhere, or I can easily get a photo for that. Cool. Uh, as far as I remember, that that was my first tattoo. Yeah. It's like again, the, so much has happened in between that, like I the the blurred lines are starting to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I know close to that region was I also just started tattooing my hands of all places. <laughs> good yeah, choice yeah the only thing i remember is one of like another tattoo artist coming in and he was just like that was stupid and <laughs> just like walked away oh no and i didn't understand that like i didn't like why would you tattoo your hand on your first spot that's oh, so God. weird yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. I guess it's the most accessible area for you, so. Yeah, I thought it was like, oh, this will be a cool, do like a nice little spirally design, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, it just turned into a mess. Oh, God. Um, how was that original tattoo healed, by the way? Uh, <laughs> I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I'm sure it could use a touch-up mm-hmm. <laughs> after so long. But, um, well, while it was healing, I don't think he had any problems. No. Perfect. Cool. Amazing. At least not that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you first got into tattooing, how did the industry treat you at the beginning? Do you feel like it was difficult to kind of cut your teeth? Well, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the industry treated me poorly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I... This is a deep. This has always been a deeper issue for me that I. It took a long time for me to kind of break through. Is I think I because I didn't learn in a traditional apprenticeship mentor way. I really kept myself like alienated from a lot of things. I felt I had to prove myself uh, quite a bit, and I think that made me have like an me against the world mentality within mm-hmm. the industry and that started har- like harboring resentment to the industry quite a bit actually mm-hmm. um but like again now that i'm older with retrospect you know i was welcomed in fairly quickly from a shop after i was doing film and i had like zero i had, I had very little tattooing experience but that's where the hustle came in. Like I would tattoo people out of my apartment while I was doing film, just convincing people I knew what I was doing. Uh, and I built up a portfolio. Uh, from there, I would, I'd watch tattooers and I'd just be like, oh yeah, I totally get what you're doing. Like, oh, that's cool because I do this. But really what I was doing was studying them. Mm-hmm. I was like watching what they were doing and be like, oh, that's how far the needle's supposed to be out. Okay. <laughs> or like that's how like it's strong, like the voltage is supposed to be. Yeah. At this point. So I think I know it's this might sound bad, but I was too busy trying to like hustle and pretend or make fake until I make it mm-hmm. to actually allow the industry to like or to be embraced by it and just like be to not have my guard up. Sure. Sure. And how do you feel like that resentment manifested? Do you feel as though that came out in certain areas? It came out in judgment, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's easy in tattooing. We Unfortunately, sometimes this industry can be a bit harsh to each other, to our peers on, let's say, how long a tattoo takes, uh, how they put the tattoo on, uh, especially styles. Mm-hmm. Like There are certain styles that people are like watercolor will always get bashed on. But like, if you think about it, the reality is, yes, there's some technical issues but that can happen out of that, but that can't, that doesn't mean it can't be solved, mm-hmm. but it's in the end, it's really just not your style. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that we kind of ganged up on these certain things. It's like bullying, right? Into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the initial question? I think I just went <laughs> off a tangent there. That's okay. Was it difficult to cut your teeth to kind of, you know, become, um, to kind of become successful, to, to make your way to, uh, to make your way in the industry where you were like making, uh, were you tattooing for a living, you know, when you got to that point, was that difficult? 
You know what? I'm going to say no. Okay. No, I'm, I'm really going to say it wasn't. Um, the shop, the first shop that I worked at, they were very helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to make a name for myself. And this was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to make a name for myself fairly quick because I did have a different style of tattooing. I started by doing portraits. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think that kind of gave me a bit of an upper edge to something. You know what? I see that. I think you have great technicality and um you know i see that in a lot of faces that you do and yeah i I definitely you're welcome yeah i definitely see that that portrait background do you think you know as you just said do you think that gave you an edge to uh for creating now in the style that you do create with yes 100 percent because i learned with portraits you really need to learn a lot about the technical side of things like light uh light sources contrast directional movements of certain things uh how do you you don't want just this weird random floating head on the body right Mm -hmm. uh so you need to kind of think of like how do you feel around it how do you make it flow seamlessly into the arm and that really has translated into a lot of the uh the series i'm doing now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how would you describe your personal style uh, that's a tough question. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, we honestly, uh, me and everyone at the shop still try figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I think we like to, it, it's illustrative, <laughs> I guess. Sure. Uh, it's a lot of times what people say is it's like, it's, it's like, like graphic art. If you've done a lot of acid, mm. Mm. <laughs> so that's, that. that's what I'm told. And a lot of people have a hard time illustrative surrealism we'll go with that sure sure and when do you feel as though you started establishing yourself or like building your brand i'm gonna say eight years into tattooing okay yeah i would say by year eight i was being like oh okay i get this yeah i I, I think i understand what i'm doing a little bit more now Mm -hmm. and um at that point I was starting to meet more people and uh, getting a bit more uh, connections going on with that. Mm-hmm. What year was that around? Ooh. I can't even tell you. So if it's <laughs> 2000, maybe 2012. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I honestly could, like, if anyone had to fact check, I could be off <laughs> my years on these things, but... Uh, I'm fairly sure it's probably around 2012-13 is when I started pushing a bit more. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. You're good. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, what what began? Uh, what were the first steps that you took in like building your own brand, sort of thing? You know, like a uh, when you were creating your you know your own signature um, styles, your own you know pieces. Um, yeah, how what were the first steps you took? to uh to refining that now are you talking just on an art sense or like the branding part of myself it's a good question maybe maybe both because i think they kind of influence each other you know yeah yeah Yeah. uh i'm going to say on the branding side uh this is where that interaction uh going back to nine inch nails comes back in i knew if i was going to be doing this that I wanted to have a bunch of 
like theatrics involved. Like I love merch and I love like tchotchke kind of things. Like I like making magnets and stickers and mm-hmm. like packages of things. Yeah. Uh, so that started pretty early on in my career. And that's not something that was as common mm-hmm. to see. Usually tattooers, we have prints and mm-hmm. we'll have a t-shirt kind of thing. But I was always just like, no, like I want to, I want it. Like, I want it all. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still to this day where I'm like, oh, I want to do 3D renderings of some of my drawings and, like, 3D printed. Oh, cool. Like, that'd be so cool. Like, yeah. it'd, it'd be so interesting to see some tattoo art as these beautiful sculptures. Wow. Yeah. Totally. That'd be so intense. And just, like, oh, I just, the other day, I was looking into scratch and sniff business cards. Like, how fun <laughs> would that be? <laughs> that'd be amazing. What would they smell like? Yeah, that's a good question. Would it just be like, like when that first smell when you walk into a tattoo shop? Mm-hmm. Would it just be that like medicinal mm-hmm. or like that medical smell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the smell of the ink uh, or something? Yeah. So, yeah. but then like the problems arise where obviously the cost of some cards like that, and it wouldn't really make sense for me to have cotton candy selling cards. No, no, very true. <laughs> but then just think how quick that would go away, and then it just starts smelling like oil like people's hands (laughs) and you're just like huffing especially in this day and age right with covid and everything that's not good no no that's not Uh, good idea just financially just it was uh, very expensive Mm -hmm. and then you just spray cologne on each card i guess if i was really dedicated you could do that yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh when did you begin working at gray harbor (sighs) i began working at gray harbor I'm going to say four years ago now. Okay. Yeah, I believe it was October of whatever four years ago was. 2017? 2018? 2018, I think. Yes. I was previously in Europe before that Mm -hmm. for just like shy of a year and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came back to Hamilton to kind of just recoup. And I knew the people at Great Harbor. I worked with them before. Mm -hmm. And uh, we always had a good kind of connection. So I just kind of wanted to breathe a little bit. I did guest spots there while I was on my journey uh, in between Europe and everything. And, uh, yeah, when I came and my, the goal was I was only going to be there for a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that changed. That did. Now it's been four times that. Yeah. 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 What do you think well, has... Yeah, that can get existential for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, how did that happen? <laughs> what do you think, what do you think made you stick around? I needed, when I was in Europe, I learned, I was traveling quite a bit alone. Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned that, like, what good are these stories if I have no one to share them with? Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Hamilton, I had a different mentality. Like, I really realized that, like, value was more important than, like, personality. And, like, what is your core beliefs? Like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And I, like, I felt that with these guys a little bit more, like, we've been through a lot together, and I felt I could be myself more around them while I was trying to build that back up, mm-hmm. that whole sense of self, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was really meant to be taking as just, like, recuperating, because, unfortunately, I started getting into some health issues, uh, shortly after my return mm-hmm. and uh, I just the, the safety of them really helps me and their um, their support mm-hmm. yeah, I would say their support 
Awesome. It's great to hear. Yeah. And um, I did just think of a question that I thought of earlier and I want to bring up, but uh, what do you think uh, is the biggest difference in with within like the tattoo cultures between Vancouver and Hamilton? There's a stereotype of culture difference um, that might not exist as much as I think. Like I could be okay. wrong, but from what I've seen is there are, there are sections within Canada with tattooing. The West Coast really sticks together. They all know each other. Uh, again, this is just broad generalizations. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be there's so many tattoo shops at this point now that that's not really possible. Mm-hmm. But they were a lot closer. Like all the shops knew each other, and sometimes they'd hang out. But I always found Ontario has been a little bit more. What would the word be? Clicky. No, no. Um, it would be more protective. Hmm. Like they really wouldn't hang out with each other too much. And if they did, it was very small amounts. There is, I wouldn't want to say the word aggression cause that's way too strong, but it's just more. So it was very, um, blocked off in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as much team, but again, because I learned in the West more so, I maybe just didn't see the Ontario side. This is just kind of my outside perspective of every time I'd come to guest spot here and returning here, but maybe I just wasn't in that group, right? Sure. Sure. Totally. And um, as as the first COVID lockdown happened, (laughs) uh, we're getting into that now. Um, How did you find your career shifting? How did I feel my what? How did you find your career changing um, or just like your day-to-day job as the lockdown happened? So like what immediately happened with you guys at the shop and, and what happened there? Well, at first, we definitely thought uh, that it was going to be just this quick thing. Like, okay, it'll just be, you know, like, mm-hmm. it'll be like SARS. We're going to have a little festival over it and it'll be great. But we quickly realized that that was going to happen. And then we had two kind of experiences happen, I would say. Mentally, we we were in a battle and I would say a struggle of trying to understand what it meant to be, what was the word they always used? Essential. Essential. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, it, it, it was an odd feeling to be told that you're unessential mm-hmm. in life. And I get it. Tattooing is very much a luxury and... There is more of a ritualistic practice to it for society as opposed to beneficial and, I don't know, I don't want to say progress, but I almost like count tattooing in like the therapeutic side of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then all that was quickly shadowed by uh, our shop burning down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we really didn't have time to just sit and absorb kind of what the lockdown meant because we were more just like, okay, how do we rebuild yeah. the shop during a lockdown that's never happened in, ex- in our existence? Jesus Christ. I mean, and so the lockdown happened in March. When did the shop burn yeah. down? I believe it happened about two weeks into it. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, the guys know a bit better of the timeline. I 
I forget, I was in Saskatchewan at this time. Yeah. So I didn't get to experience, the, like, see the fire, and I just saw the aftermath. Like, the craziest part for me was having to fly during a first lockdown, and it was just me and one other person on this plane. Wow. Huh. And it was very apocalyptic. It was very... And it almost felt actually like a VIP experience. Yeah. Like, it was kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. First class. Yeah. Yeah. Shitty reason, but it was nice. Yeah. Um, do you want to touch on the uh, the shop burning down a little bit, or are you kind of sick of talking about that at this point? No, no, you totally can. Okay. Um, just to briefly kind of, you know, cover it. Um, how long... I mean, you know, what, for anyone who isn't familiar, I'm quite familiar with what happened, but um, what exactly happened um, that resulted in the shop burning down? So as far as I know, uh, as much as we were told, at least, there was an arsonist going around, and he just recently got out of jail, and he was in the system. Oh. Uh, and he was going around lighting fires. He, I know he burned down two two of the houses that were on York Street. Wow. Uh, that was like a couple days prior, I believe. And then he just, he just went and he just like randomly hit certain things. I believe he put wallpaper, like he lit wallpaper and shoved it under the door of our, because we were on the second floor. So we had the, especially downtown James Street North buildings, like they're very old and they're very dusty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just went up. It was like Tinder. And um, he was just going around. I know he tried hitting uh, that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, I forget yeah. the name of the restaurant at the moment. Um, something. Uh, Born, Born and Raised. Raised. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which ironically is what I lived on top of. Oh, really? Yeah. I lived like, I lived on top to the side onto the thing. So, and that's how I found out. Wow. Where someone was like, they're like, dude, I think your apartment's on fire. I was Jesus. like, what? And then I saw some comments being like, oh, is that Great Harbor? And I was like, what? Oh and my so God. At first I was like, is this personal? Like, what is going on? Yeah. You're like, is this, is this my ex? Like, what's happening? Yeah. I'm like, what are the odds that you hit in this, like, vicinity, like, so personal, right? Of like my home and my workplace. But then he just kept going. I think he tried getting the motorcycle shop on Barton. Really? But people were people were in there, and they were just like, "Excuse me, <laughs> like, can you just not do that?" Yeah. And that's and that's all I know. And from the footage, the detective that saw the footage knew who he was, and they caught him that night, I believe. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Luckily, nobody was hurt yeah. in that uh, fire, and mainly, I would say the damage was due to. Uh, obviously the smoke and then the firefighters with the water. So once that water and smoke combine, it becomes pretty much like, not like lie, but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, everything was destroyed. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody listening, if you look up photos, it was like black in there. Like just like oh, yeah. everything was black. Yeah. It was gutted. Yeah. When um, I first came back and like, I couldn't even, we, I would, we got upstairs somehow, I forget. Maybe the stairs were still intact a little bit, but I couldn't even see inside of it. Like, wow. we needed flashlights, and it was crazy. Wow. And you said this guy just got released? We don't know. Yeah, as far as we know, he's released, but we weren't allowed having any information on him. Mm. So we have no idea what's, <laughs> where he is. or. And I remember, I feel like the uh, officers told us, they're like, well, if you see him, just let us know. We're like, how are we supposed to, <laughs> I'm like, how are we supposed to do that? Yeah. He won't tell us who he is, you know? 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he just got lost in the, the COVID mess. Oh, the yeah. System. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, you know, that's a lot to deal with. It was a busy year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a lot. Like, yeah, dealing, the hardest part, honestly, is obviously losing everything, but mm-hmm. was dealing with insurance and having to deal with the city when they were never there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard enough to get a hold of them in normal hours, let alone COVID hours. Mm-hmm. So rebuilding a shop, trying to get all the appropriate licensing and paperwork <laughs> while no one's at the actual place was definitely a struggle. Wow. I can't imagine. Um, when you said that this guy was released, my first thought was, um, <laughs> was you know the abandoned building that was burnt on King Street recently? Yeah, and I live literally right across the street from that. Yeah, <laughs> he's fo- It's you. He's following you. I know. <laughs> I woke up at 7. I was like, I'm going to go get a coffee. And I just like walked outside and this thing was blazing oh on fire. Oh, my God. Like, that must be... Just, like, what are the odds? Like, come on. That must be so traumatic for you at this point. Like, I can't imagine. <laughs> Do you know, the only thought I had was like, I, I fell into that like vicarious voyeurism. Yeah. Where I was just like, ooh, and I like walked up close and I was literally across the street yeah. filming this thing. And then my head, I was like, I should probably move back. Maybe. Like, how do I, you know, how do I know this is going to explode or anything? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, spread across the street eventually and get your place on fire. That would not be great. Oh my God. Yeah. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been quite a story. Oh, yeah. It just sucks because that building was such a staple in Hamilton, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been um, around for a long time. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to keep your eye out for that guy, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I heard that they caught the person, or at least they arrested somebody. Okay. Okay. Good, good. But that's all I know. I don't know too much information. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone all, or obviously thinks it's a scam, right, that happened? They think it's a scam? Yeah, because there's... Oh, see, I don't want this. I shouldn't spread this. I don't <laughs> <know>. like, <laughs> this is so much hearsay and just what I heard through the grapevine, right? That yeah. building was just sold to the developers. And uh, a lot of people obviously think they're like, well, how convenient is that? It's a lot cheaper to just tear down the building, right? Oh, you think? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not giving my opinion. I don't, <laughs> don't want to do that. <laughs> this is territory. We probably don't want it. Touch, right? Sure. Sure. That Hamilton gossip. I'm here for it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, um, you know, following, I mean, the place burning down, um, when did you, when did you open the new Grey Harbor? So I believe it, I believe it was about the mid to end of March is when it burned down. And we were at their mercy at that point to just have to wait and see. And we couldn't legally work anyways because of the lockdowns. And there was no end in sight for those to be uh, being lifted anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So that gave us the opportunity to actually sit down and decide what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the craziest part for us was the reception. Like, we didn't know at first that there was the, um, the GoFundMe page mm-hmm. that happened. And that was, that exploded and that that was shocking for us. We didn't really know like the, the responsibility of that. We didn't really understand what, 
to do on that. Like, we're just like, oh my God, like all this is happening, but we don't really know what the plan is. Uh, so we really, we had a lot of meetings to decide like, okay, hey, do we just walk away? Like, do we just have our own shops and do our own thing? Or do we just kind of redevelop or rebuild in that same location when it's done? Or do we want to make something out of this? Like make like kind of like a, we, we call it like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once we decided we wanted to do it right, like we, we got outside help for like business, making sure that, uh, everything was intact, like everything, like we've heard through tattoos and all of our experiences together. I've seen and have worked at tattoo shops around the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to bring some of those belief structures here, like things that worked, things were, that were awesome and the connected people, I, uh, I just thought this was, we all did see this as a way to start from scratch and make something that like was worth seeing and worth like going to. Uh, and then once we found, ironically, we were looking at the building before the fire happened anyways, before the lockdown, uh, we were just, it was right across the street from us. And we we're like, Oh, that'd be cool if we, if we painted waves on this one window and the building across the street, mm-hmm. uh, being beside St. James, that's a great location. Uh, it's a rad place. Uh, and then that person reached out to us being like, Hey, the, that, uh, spot's still available if you want it. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, we jumped on it. And for most of July and August, we bought everything. Like we researched the hell out of that thing, even to the point where the wood inside the, uh, shop is called like Harbor Hemlock. And it's from the, uh, Hamilton Harbor. Wow. Like, that they, like, they fished out, right? Oh, cool. Yeah. So, like, the little details that we put into that, is, like, has been probably the coolest part for me. Like, I, like, it's really cool, actually. There's a lot of little secret hidden gems in that thing that only we would kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and then we did, like, a little bit of a soft open uh when the lockdown ended, which I don't know, I think that was end of August mm-hmm. or beginning of September. And then we officially opened in September. Mm-hmm. And that was of 2021? Yeah. 2021, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not too so long we were ago. Off for a bit. Yeah. And. But, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was a long couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. And um, how do you find that our government, the Ontario government, treated artists during the lockdowns? I don't think very well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really showed how little... Uh, again, this will be based off broad generalizations. Of course, this isn't every single person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people defending artists, and, and I'm going to go as far as self-employed, period, right? Like we'll say. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the anger started with a lot of tattooers and a lot of artists was just the irony of being told like that we're unessential, especially artists. Like you're telling us that we're unessential by putting up posters that involve artists Mm -hmm. to make these posters so that you could see the posters telling us that we're unessential. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like the irony in it's like, how do you not see that art is literally everywhere in everything we do? 
Mm-hmm. Like every movement involves a type of artist. And what's that, what is that line in the first place of when it's a trade to an art to whatever is involved? Uh, and I, you know, I don't blame a lot of them. Like, cause it started to come down to being like, yeah, it's, we had five people at this point in the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, you're telling me we can't have two people in the shop, but Costco can be open. Yeah. Where there's 300. But then, see, I understand that at the same time. It's like, yes, there might have been some lobbying. Yes, there might have been some kind of inside scoop. But it is a lot easier if you're thinking about the people to shut down six people instead of uh, Costco, where you're now affecting 300 mm-hmm. employees, right? That's 300 people without jobs. Mm-hmm. So it was this weird tug of war is emotional uh if at least if you looked at it that way yeah to me it was very it was a hard side to stand on because one we were getting slammed like we were getting slaughtered by this mm-hmm. uh but at the other side i understand like you're gonna pick the lesser of two poisons right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were you and your artists that you worked with were you able to sustain yourselves on your own or like were you did you take advantage of serve how did you guys survive with like so little work luckily yeah like mm-hmm. we again winging it i would say for sure we were lucky enough to get served yes um and then after like of course they tried selling us that we had to pay it back Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was something pretty impressive and amazing that happened, which was the small business grant. Mm-hmm. And uh, once that got word and spread, I do and I do believe that helped a lot of people. So they were offering up twenty thousand dollars for anyone who's self-employed, and as a tattooer, you're mainly a general contractor. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an employee-based industry. Some shops are, um, but for the most part you are each artist is their own company Mm -hmm. and that is how our shop works so everyone was able to apply uh for this grant and luckily some of us were approved and that was able to hold us over and sustain us until uh something happened yeah well that's amazing (laughs) um yeah i'm i'm really happy that you guys had something right yeah, yeah, like, it, it's really cool, and of course, it, it brings up its own kind of, like, you almost feel guilty, it's like, is this hush money? Is, mm-hmm. this, is this what's going on? Because mm-hmm. it's like, I would rather the money went to healthcare, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it, it did help a lot of people, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And do you think the mistreatment of artists during the pandemic is representative of, like, a greater problem? I wouldn't say a problem as okay. much as a perspective. Hmm. There, re- there really is this underlying or subconscious, I would say, perspective that we are expendable. Like that mm-hmm. when I was growing up, at least, and this is probably what changes, what impacts my opinion, at least, is that you're never going to make it as an artist. Like, you know, you're going to be that that romanticism idea of a starving artist. And you had to be a tortured person to follow this passion and dream of an artist. Mm -hmm. But again, meanwhile, 
everyone's like using everything to do with art or be like, Oh, you can't do this, but can you draw this for me, monkey? Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they thought you're just waiting to sit there like and just draw for them like we're these show ponies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh and that leads to a lot of anger. It led to a lot of anger for me as a kid for sure. Yeah. Uh I thought that was very hypocritical and uh even to this day, like that happens where there's still this underlying feeling that like tattooing is not a real job mm-hmm. to some people. It's like, oh, that's fun. It's it's like you the amount that artists as you know, even for yourself, like with your podcast, like the amount of work that goes on behind, like after the podcast mm-hmm. is insane. And you're doing that on your own time. There is no there's no nine to five in that. Like you you have to regulate yourself in your time. Mm-hmm. And that can be so difficult, right? And you're not getting the rewards for it. Nope. Nope. I agree. Yeah. I create a lot of stuff for free or, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I create where I put more money into it than I get out of it, right? When you're paying for editing programs and like hosting software and stuff like that, it's like you end up putting more money into it than you get out of it, Um, which, you know, you hope at some point you're going to get uh, paid for it, but that's sometimes a pipe dream. Uh, Yeah, and that's what the problem to me is, this pipe dream is that we... I think we, in our heads, we pretend that we support artists. Mm-hmm. We we like to believe we are. But how is somebody, let's say a 17-year-old that may come from a low-income family, like housing, who knows, or who's in school, who's getting drowning in debt, how are they going to afford that $699 program to, to, to develop their passion, to develop their interests and hobbies? Yeah. Like what, and that could lead to something beautiful. Lead to like one of the best artists we've ever seen, like in this era. But they couldn't do it because <laughs> these things are unattainable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just seems so. Like, I don't want to say the words hypocritical, but uh, the support isn't there as much as people like to believe it is. Yeah. No, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you think there's like a reason why art feels so undervalued in our society? Is there like a an underlying um, reason for that? What do you think? Even Which though, is so ironic. 
Yeah. And like you said, art, art is in every single industry. Art is in every single um, supposed essential industry, right? Like, you know, we, yeah. yeah, like artists keep those industries alive. They help keep them alive, right? It's like without art, you know, they would be, they would be nothing like what they are. To me, without art, there would be no spirit. Yeah. Anytime there has been an economic collapse, a war, anything like that, besides obviously the companies that have helped drive to that war or collapse, mm-hmm. anything in arts have always skyrocketed in profit because people inherently need to get out of their situation. So going to a movie, like it allows you to enter this dreamscape to this storytelling world. Uh, seeing this art, like getting tattooed, like allows it's for you because it's in your mind and mm-hmm. you're allowed to play in there without all the bullshit, like surrounding you of, again, let's use a recession. Like, am I going to be able to afford to eat today? And it's like all that building up, uh, art is always there for spirit. Mm-hmm. Like it's there to help you grow. It's there to help you. Like it's kind of there to like rub your back or hold your hand. Mm-hmm. through some of those hardships you know like it's an expression like how many art or how much art has changed like political reasoning even not that right like mm-hmm. some art pieces are banned for like what they've been said you know yeah mm-hmm. and do you think that tattooing as an art form gets particularly harsh treatment <sighs> I think um, there's trickles of it. I do mm-hmm. believe today is a much different environment for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do believe like the television shows help with that. Right, uh, right. They helped expose, I guess uh, you could say it helped expose to like the more general public. Uh, but it went in this weird dip, right? Like at first tattoos, no one really knows where the exact origin of it came from. It just came out of nowhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was tribal, it was ritual, it was a rite of passage, so it was considered sacred. And then unfortunately, with like gangs and bad scenarios, it had such bad reputation, it was illegal, I think it was illegal in New York up until the 80s. Crazy. I know, right? Uh, and now, it's coming back to, I believe people are seeing it as a rite of passage, as a marking of something they've been through as a memento, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there is, ta- there's still a couple of industries left that are a bit underground, right? Tattooing, graffiti, uh, and certain other things that, and there's those groups that want to keep it that way. But I almost do feel that tattooing has left that group. There are still some shops that keep it that way for sure. And that's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's what you prefer, you know, but, well, I believe when you come into our shop, like, it's not death metal playing. Like, we, you know, we have just plants covering the full wall, right? It's, it's more, more like a spa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when you're walking in sometimes, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. So I think, like, that took a lot of us, too, tattooers, to kind of break from the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it had to be both of us, but uh, I do believe it's changing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, because you brought up, um, you know, having to kind of work against that stigma, um, 
Do you find that you and like tattoo artists around you purposefully maybe uh, change the way that you act or change your studio or anything to maybe kind of come across as outside of that stigma? Yeah, yes. I, 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 I can't speak for any other place mm-hmm. on this one, mm-hmm. uh, but I can speak for our shop. For our shop, it is owned by pretty much three white men, mm-hmm. right? And with this day and age, I wanted... It was important for me to make it feel uh, inclusive. Mm-hmm. Word? Ex- exclusive? Yeah. No. In- inclusive? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to make yeah, I don't know which one the word at this moment. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that it was important that um, everyone would come in and feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not going to be, like, a, you know, <sighs> aggressive conversations. There's going to be products that anyone needs. There's coverings, right? There's, there's uh, barriers in case it's like a private area that needs to get tattooed like that was very important for us to like show that um that we took that into consideration it was very important to me for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no that's that's totally that's totally important and um do you think the more shops need to pay attention to those sorts of things um no i, I wouldn't want to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do like for myself you know what okay. i mean like they everyone's going to do what they feel their values are at and trying to change them is usually the cause of the problem in a lot of ways like i don't i'm somebody that doesn't believe that intolerance fights in, or like intolerance you know what i mean mm-hmm. you don't fight intolerance with intolerance mm-hmm. uh i would just more so would be like yeah this is what we do and if you want to do it, great. If not, like you have your beliefs, like, and I'm not going to judge you for it because that's where the problem lies. Like, I'm, I don't want to judge that person for what they believe because then that's where the stigmas and the divide starts happening, and then that's where they'll even have more stronger feelings of sure. their pride or whatever you want to call it, because sure. now they're working against somebody. So, no, I don't think anyone should do uh, anything. That they would, yeah, I would enforce anyone. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And when it comes to, um, you know, again, bringing it back to, you know, COVID and I feel like art was undervalued and artists in general were undervalued, what sorts of like programs or initiatives do you think that our government could have done and still could do um, to support artists and, you know, especially during COVID during these times, um, what do you think there needs to be, what do you think needs to be done and needs to be improved? Community, 100%. Hmm. Like, I believe there should be more, I guess you could say funding, mm-hmm. or at least more support, not even necessarily funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I do believe the people should, I don't, I wouldn't want the government to be in control of it, to be honest. Like, I believe people should be in control of their city not so much as just being like oh government daddy come help us <laughs> do you know what i mean mm. uh but i believe in having like whole rec centers like uh, i would love a community of artists of all forms i don't care what you do but somewhere where you can go safely to express yourself and find inspiration whether that be through workshops uh 
exposure talk, like bringing in, I've always thought it'd be cool as a tattoo shop to hold seminars with uh, just people, normal people, and be like, hey, this is what we do. Uh, this is why it takes so long. This is like what is involved to get to your drawing. Uh, what are the questions you have so it doesn't feel so mysterious and overwhelming? Mm-hmm. That would be super uh, cool. Yeah, it'd just mm-hmm. be this collective, like a big collective and having those centers for like main cities that are like regions and cities. Mm-hmm. So that way, and just especially if it's like a troubled youth or troubled anything like it would help them find the voice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel like that's also something you could potentially do with like an art crawl or maybe like super crawl or something that would be kind of that would be kind of cool to have your setup like that yeah for sure yeah we uh we're we're thinking of some things for super crawl this year cool looking forward to yeah it. yeah yeah right now my 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 idea is to connect the tattooers together first. Okay. To create that bond, that strength, and have us all in like a marketplace where you can see all our types of work and what we do. We just give the information out where our shops are from here to Guelph, Kitchener, like London, as far as it can get, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any stories about like, um, you know, uh, negative reactions towards you or like, you know, kind of like bigoted reactions that you faced being either like a tattooed person or a tattoo artist? Negative yeah, so, reactions? Yeah, so maybe, you know, comments, um, maybe, maybe from family members, maybe from people in public. Um, have you ever had sort of, you know, um, you know, aggressive comments, bigoted comments, um, people saying things about you, that sort of thing? Um, I'm going to say yeah to that. Okay. Uh, you know, it hasn't been as bad. A lot of it is like underlying. It's like, you know, in between the lines. Mm-hmm. Like some people will say, and sometimes I don't even think they mean it. They, they don't mean that disrespect. But there would be a lot of times, like I remember my own father when I told him I was going to be a tattoo artist. He said, tattoo artists are just lazy slobs who don't want to get a real job. <laughs> That's what, and you're just like, whoa, okay, thank you. Quite an assumption. Yeah. yeah. And that sometimes we'll hear, or the true side of people will come out with that mm-hmm. when they don't get what they want. I guess mm-hmm. you could say, because as an artist, we're not obligated to take on everything. Like, there are some styles we're not good at. No. Sometimes tattoos take longer. Sometimes we have to reschedule. We get sick. We're human, right? Yeah. And when you're starting to mess with people's anticipation like that, that's when true colors will come out. And that's where, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to curveball this one onto the biggest problem is people's respect for our time Hmm. and, and what we do. So often, if I'm out at a bar or if I'm out in public, and I think it's cool because mo- even if you don't like tattoos, most most um, people want to relate to it in some form. Even if they don't like it, they'll tell you, mm-hmm. like, um, this is why I don't like tattoos. And I love hearing that story. That's super cool. But it's inevitable that there's always going to be some hammer person that comes up to you and they're like, ah. Like, and they'll pull off their shirt or their pants and be like, I got this tattoo for this price. 
what what can you do and they're just like in your face wow and i'm just like man i'm not at work right now you know what i mean like yeah. what are you doing like and you tell them the price and they're like oh that's so expensive that's and i'm just like okay like sorry mm-hmm. i don't know what to tell you right now i'm i'm outside i'm eating you know what i mean <laughs> like that is a big thing people not respecting our time mm-hmm. is always been a hard one for me Hmm. changing the drawing changing the drawings i totally understand like sometimes you need a couple to get to the point of communication between two strangers of course it's going to take a bit right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like no showing for a tattoo um and just being like well can't you just get me in next week as i i'm like no i'm sorry i can get you in six months from now Mm -hmm. and then you're at fault for that right then it's you because that's also your name in your business and they can do damage. So sometimes that kind of aggression is what we'll face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're saying that they come up to you in public, um, do they assume that you're a tattoo artist or do they ask you first? <laughs> I'll, I'll, like for me, yeah. I'll always get asked and they're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm. And I always wonder, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, am I wearing a certain type of clothing that makes me look like a tattoo artist? Or right. Is it just because I'm fully tattooed and I have a resting bitch face? Like, I don't know. Like, what is it? Right. And then it's like, yeah, please don't strip in front of me. Like. What, what's that? Sorry. Oh, I, I said, um, and then, you know, just because you look like a tattoo artist doesn't mean you can strip in front of me. Like, oh, yeah. come on. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Think, think about, like, any other, like, job. Right, where that would be acceptable. I guess mm-hmm. like if somebody I'll use dentist again, I'm like, Oh, you're a dentist? And I just like ram open my mouth and be like, Can you check can you check my tonsils and my my tooth back here? It really hurts. Like and and you're at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd just be very invasive. Seriously, yeah. Um how do you think how do you think the tattoo industry as a whole has been affected by COVID? And what do you think are the major changes that have had to happen within that industry? So far, there's been fear in the industry, for sure, to mm-hmm. being like, oh, how can you can easily take this away from us. God, yeah. Like, and that has been something amongst us, uh, hairstylists, restaurateurs, like, it's so crazy how easy they can just flip a switch now and be like, no, you can't work for an indefinite amount of time. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing. And then... <sighs> not making their rules, the COVID rules, to fit into small locations. Like, yeah. we're, again, we're not Costco. Like, our place can fit 12 people max. Mm-hmm. So, so odd to me. Like, mm-hmm. the, I don't want to say the false sense of security, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of the made-up rules of, for the general public, and it's just not that easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So far, so at this point, though, the aftermath has been hard for us. Mm-hmm. Our supply, our supplies and all that have exponentially went up. Oh, wow. Oh, I bet. Everything has. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you get to make the supplies that have to go up because of inflation to get here with the gas, like the skyrocketing prices. Like, as far as I could tell from when I do the, um, the, uh, stock, like, our, it's gone up 200%, like, gloves alone. Jesus. Is a 200% markup, and we are, 
uh, like for a small shop, like we have our designs pricing, like what we can spend, right? Yeah. So now we're trying to think like, okay, that is just doubled. And there's been no help. Like, like rent is staying the same, if not going to get worse eventually. Mm-hmm. So where's the medium here? It's like, do we just keep like, do I just keep raising prices of my tattoos? But I also don't want to contribute to this inflation mentality. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that person. But if I don't, at this point now, I'm losing like 10, 15 percent of my income just because of the scenario. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's not your fault. Right. But there are, you know, people who work salaried positions, you know, their salaries aren't going up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's yeah, such everything's a thing's going up. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's such a, such a tough position for you to be in. You know, you feel this responsibility when, you know, it's not your responsibility. Yeah, and, and it's just, I don't want to play your game. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't think that's... Because there is no they doing this to us. It's just us doing it to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, we all want to make more money. We all want to be secure and safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and no one says no. No mm-hmm. one steps up. It's like, okay, no, like, we've had enough. Like, we can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so instead, I raise my price. So then now you have to figure out how to pay for that tattoo even more now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I say they, I mean, you know, the, the rich. But for sure. For sure. Yeah. The, the rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that they're their own entity. They are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how? Oh, uh. Do you did you find that did your clientele take a hit during COVID? And now that most of the restrictions have been lifted, uh, do you see has that gotten better, um, or has it stayed the same? How is that for you? I'm going to say I got very lucky in this sense. So we had to. Re- I've, I'm usually booked about three to five months. I'm going to say I don't like that's where I like my spacing to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because obviously of all that, like during this whole thing, I've had to constantly be rescheduling all these people through all like shuffling with me and I'm very grateful and I'm very lucky that most of my clients all followed me. They waited. No one, not one person caused any issues or complaints. Everyone understood. And by the time I was able to catch up from the um, rescheduling, it just naturally trickled in to mm-hmm. the new pieces. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's weird that this shift, I thought, I thought for sure I was going to see a massive dip, but luckily, no, it transitioned fairly smoothly for me at least. Perfect. Glad to hear. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. And we definitely have scenarios where, you know, like the day of people are like, I'm coughing. Oh, so God. we had to just be like, well, shit, like, you obviously can't come in now. Yeah. And we're not going to take away their deposit because, like, that sucks. Like, if they yeah. also got COVID, that, that was very stressful trying to figure that part out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, you've probably had the same sort of scenario, but with, with my job that I work, part of it is customer service. Um, I have to deal with, you know, I'm not going to say too much about my job. I don't want to, you know, dox myself, but um part of it yeah uh part of it i have to deal with like a um uh 
uh, I have to deal with like a massage clinic service, basically. And I'll have clients call in and be like, oh, I'm not feeling too great. Or like I was exposed to COVID three days ago. Can I come in? And I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of up to you. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if if you're testing positive, that's one thing. But if it's, you know, the whole, you know, I don't know. And they're like asking, almost like looking for permission from me, which I'm, I'm sure, do they ask you for that as well? Oh, yeah. I yeah. definitely got texts being like, some of my friend's brother's mother got COVID and I was there six days ago. <sighs> and I'm just like, this is like a fucking math equation, man. Like, I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out, but... yeah. That that's like that's a that's like one of the bigger issues, right? Everybody was looking for somebody to answer for them mm-hmm. because we were trying to control something intangible. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it was so like, how do you control something that's ever changing? Yeah, yeah. But humans are like we're designed to do that. We need that control to live, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all, yeah, the hardest. We, I made it simple. I made it simple and I just said, yeah, just don't come in. There and we go. I just didn't take their deposit. Like I wasn't going to punish them for that. No. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it wasn't worth, in the end, what, in the end, it wasn't worth it to me to take that risk. No. And then, you know what I mean? Have the whole shop get infected. Mm-hmm. And then have to call everybody like we had like all of us had this collective STD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the weirdest part, right? Like mm-hmm. you had to call these people and like, sorry, <laughs> yeah, I need to go get checked. <laughs> Jesus, how, did you have to do that? Yeah, I got COVID, unfortunately. Yeah, I did too. But, yeah, yeah, I was asymptomatic. I don't know how you were. Oh, I definitely was not. I was, I was definitely out for like a week and a half. Sounds so bad. It was not great. I um I I have cough variant asthma, so um my asthma definitely made the coughing worse. Um, I ended up bruising my ribs from coughing, so that oh was fun. Mhm, mhm. But I'm glad to hear yeah. you're asymptomatic. I'm very jealous. Dude, I was just like looking out the window like a little side <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, when can I go outside again? See, my mom's like 55, 56, and she was asymptomatic. And I'm like, come on. Like, you couldn't have, you couldn't have passed that gene to me, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> See, like, look, we needed somebody, eh, to, like, blame. We're just like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you? And that's, like, that was the biggest problem is it literally was Russian roulette. It's, it was yeah. the draw. And, like, my fear throughout the whole thing was waiting to see if I was going to get sick. I was like, oh, no, like, when's the start? You know what I mean? So that anxiety, I'm like, uh, and then, like, I didn't, of course, want to get, I was, because I was around my family. So I was, like, my, you know, my parents are older now. So that scared me the most. Mm-hmm. But nothing happened. It was, it was very odd. I'm very glad. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad, too. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how how have you had to adapt to this like i mean it's it's a new world it just is right it's not the yeah. same world we were in in 2019 um how have you had to adapt to this new world as an artist um and like one thing that i know you're changing is which tell me if this relates to covid but i know you've changed your um could i call it your booking process like you basically don't do 
Um, you basically don't take requests anymore, right? Yes. Yeah, that's not based off COVID at all. Okay. Okay. No, that's just my own uh, trying to find my rhythm again, I guess. Like, what? That's me trying not to make sure or making sure that I don't get burnt out. Sure. So, with the, but for how we've had to adapt, so far, the adaptation process to me has been about observing. Like, not making any expectations or assumptions on what's going to happen and how it's going to be, and just observing the climate and what, like, seeing how everything's going, and then just being able to adjust from that. In the beginning, they made us do, of course, all I had to write a 12 page COVID guideline of what would happen if someone got COVID, all the amount, like, all the things on the doors with the mask and the, the capacity. Uh, we had a COVID screening when he walked in with the temperature. Mm-hmm. And then it's like just as fast as that came, it just kind of left too. It's really weird. I know. Yeah. And yeah, now it's just like PTSD for most people. Like, like sometimes you see us like looking for those things, but they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, adaptation, it's changed. Okay, this is before the question. <laughs> it's changed through consultation mm-hmm. for sure like a lot of the times now we'll have consultations online instead right and uh we'll try making it a little bit more uh like lenient i guess towards how that part's done okay yeah okay. cool cool yeah and um do you think tattooing um do you think we're heading in a right in a good direction with the tattoo industry in general? Um, do you think that, you know, we're, we're seeing progression? Do you think that there are things in place that should still be changed? Um, how do you feel about the industry as a whole, um, after COVID currently? Um, I think it's fine. Yeah. Like I totally think, I tend to I tend to try not fear mongering. Of mm-hmm. course, there's always going to be scenarios that are not good. Like I believe tattooing is in a place of being forced to recognize awareness for certain things, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I really do. Uh, um, coming from what it was like a very uh, aggressive industry and closed off industry, you know, mm-hmm. uh, now it's opening up like. I, I have this theory for myself that I believe soon tattoo shops are going to be uh, style specific. So yeah. there will be one shop for like traditional. There's going to be one shop for realism. Yeah. And it's like this weird natural organic movement that's happening where these artists obviously want to work with each other, right? Because they have similar mentalities. Mm-hmm. They can learn a little bit more from each other. Uh, and ours is like considered a bit more of a neo-traditional, it's called. Tattoo mm-hmm. shop. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So that's where I see a big change, and also in uh, inclusivity. Like, um, yes. Definitely amongst that, uh, especially for female tattooers. Like, they that was that shouldn't even be a thing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that shouldn't even be a topic, especially today. Today's a bad day, right? Uh, <laughs> for I women in total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, 
because earlier I, I was just about to make a comment like it's 2022 and then i'm like it's it's bad. it's the 24th of june it's uh you know today that happened so uh, i can't use that phrase anymore yeah it's really um a really unfortunate slap in the face mm-hmm. to any kind of progression in my eyes at least mm-hmm. um and with been tattooing like so going back to that um, I do think that has definitely been, we're still a far way from that actual equality in that sense, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that the awareness is there is a good step. And it's uh, unacceptable. I'd like to think it's, again, hard being, you know, a little white male <laughs> to say this, I can't like be sure right mm-hmm. but uh it's nice to see that it is becoming acceptable and that if there is any issues caused towards that it's it's called out pretty quickly i agree and i i really love that you hit on that that it's they're going to become you know safe inclusive spaces and like um style specific and i'm seeing things like you know uh women owned um tattoo shops also like you know lgbtq owned tattoo shops and things like yeah. that uh which yeah, is super cool that. yeah yeah and um do, do you hope for that for hamilton i find that um i i every time i go to try to book more artists or discover more artists in hamilton i find that i'm like i'm picking between like the same like five shops i feel like there's not as many <laughs> as i assumed there was you know what i mean yeah, it's so weird though because there's more shops now than there's ever been in Hamilton. That's so strange, and I feel like but that is yeah. how it goes. There's all. I really don't want to use like an elitist mentality at all, and I'm not saying our shop is anywhere near that. Okay, but there usually is a group of shops that hold the tier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and but the thing about that is, it never, it never lasts. It is a forever changing because even that top shop, let's say that holds a tier, like where it's like, oh yeah, this is where you go. They will move. We are modern day carny. So many mm-hmm. days. Like we don't stay still and we'll open a private studio. And that's a big direction right now. It's actually a lot of tattooers now are just doing private studios. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So finding some people might be a bit more difficult. Like, yeah. I think if anything in Hamilton, there's a lot more hidden gems than people realize. Hmm. Okay. I got to do some digging then. Yeah. I guess you got to go, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you hope for like shops like what we were just talking about, like women owned shops or, or like LGBTQ owned shops or like black owned shops that like that should be more of a thing in Hamilton? Or do you hope that there will be eventually? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I will say yeah. Um, ideally, what I would like in a fantasy world is where it all supports each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Ma- it, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. It yeah. Should, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't. But unfortunately, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for now, and hopefully after. Humans move slowly. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> and backwards. I don't know how long it'll be. Yeah, and backwards, as mm-hmm. we've seen today. But uh, until that point, then yes. And I I fully support that movement in every way. Um, as long as, again, like, 
my concern would be how far it gets taken. I think sometimes it can be easily turned into factions or turned into us versus them with some people. Like some people will feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And then that's just going to exacerbate their own insecurities, mm-hmm. which then is going to, that's where people create their own stories on what these shops are and then like make fun of them and like bully them, which I think is disgusting. That should not happen, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't happen on either side. Like if there's a, I have a client or if I have a consultation where I feel that they would be happier or safer or more understood, let's say at an LGBTQ uh, shop, I will gladly direct them that way. Mm-hmm. I would love to work together. Like to me, that's the, like the, that's what it should be. We should all be working together to find that to connect with each of with our clients' emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's and important. yeah. And, you know, tattooing is an intimate experience, right? So wherever anybody feels the most comfortable is best, right? Yeah, exactly. It mm-hmm. really, yeah, it is a very intimate experience, you know, like, and then there's some people that don't think that and they, they're they just there because it's cool, it's fun. Yeah. And then there's shops for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. Shops for just, everybody. Yeah. That's what I hope. That's what yeah, I hope to have here. Like music, yeah. right? There's not one general style of music for one emotion in the world, right? Like there's infinite. Oh, yeah. And uh, I wish, like, the more you do that, the more progress that will be made mm-hmm. in that art field. Mm-hmm. Totally, 100%. And what advice would you give to someone who is, like, just starting out in uh, the tattoo industry? It's definitely, I would say, harder now. Mm-hmm. You have to be pretty good at drawing right off the bat. Hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna. I was lucky. I wouldn't say I was amazing. And uh, you know, like uh, we did a podcast earlier. Me and Tommy, the guy I work with, I saw that. Uh, yeah, and he was saying like how he didn't even draw at all hmm. <laughs> beforehand, like tattooing, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Not to brag, but, you know. Yeah, and now it's very hard to get in. Not in the sense of protectiveness, but in the sense of like. If we're going to invest in you, you have to bring something that we have not seen before. Mm-hmm. Like it has so rapidly changed in the last 10 years that uh, usually the apprentices at this point are like better than most tattooers have been going for like 10, 15, 20 years. Wow. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But uh, in order to get in, the biggest thing will always be about connection. Like mm-hmm. you can be an amazing artist. But if we don't want to be in a room with you for about 10, 12 hours a day, that's going to be a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So I can see the general things, which are make a portfolio, like go get tattooed. And that's a big one. Like our current apprentice got in because she is literally her whole body is covered by everyone at Great Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how like we... we I made my decision because I saw the investment in personality and who she could become. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what is important to me is I saw passion and that's kind of the advice I would want to give is make like, make sure you know where your drive is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And um, yeah. I know you have 
you know, you have some um, some gallery work coming up. You're working on, you know, your illustrative projects and everything. Um, can you tell us a bit about, like, what can we look forward to seeing from you? So I have an art show from July 8th to the 31st at the Paul Alia Gallery, mm-hmm. uh, which is, like, Ottawa, Cannon area. Yeah. And it's a tandem show with Chris Paul. Uh, and he also works as a, he's a tattoo artist that works at Cottage 13. Uh, and it's going to be me and him. His show is called Joy and mine is called Sin. Cool. And my, yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And my, my side is about sin and the hungry ghost of ourselves. So each piece is represented off. I wouldn't say specific, not necessarily only a specific, like seven deadly sins, but emotions we feel when we're in the deep when we're in those dark moments Hmm. uh and that's kind of like at least how i see them it's a reflection of that all these hungry ghosts that are are inside of us really that we're always searching for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's super cool um i'm totally looking forward to it yeah uh how did how did that happen how did you uh how did you get in touch with the gallery owner the gallery owner is my brother. Oh, look at that. Yeah, so Paul Leah is my brother, and he is a local, uh, well-known artist. Cool. And he works a lot with the Hamilton Art Gallery, and uh, he set himself up for this beautiful uh, art gallery. It's called, mm-hmm. like I said, the Paul Leah Gallery. Yeah. And uh, we were just talking. Like, he's always wanted me to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not my focus. Like, there is a separation of tattooing. And fine arts, there really is. Like, mm-hmm. they don't really mingle or intermingle that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't really know how to go about that. Like, it's like, why would we just do a bunch of tattooers as one show? Mm-hmm. But then we're really, we're really uh, tunnel visioning the market, the audience. Like, mm-hmm. oh, who's going to show up for this, right? Yeah. And Chris Hall, um, he's dabble his pieces are beautiful like they are beautiful paintings mm-hmm. and he has like a nice uh hybrid into both worlds so paul thought i would be a good compliment to that uh because our pieces are similar in a lot of ways of what they are supposed to represent and towards color schemes uh, and since i already knew chris i was like yeah for sure be down for that like hang out and figure it out right Wow. Yeah. But this was like such a long time ago right. uh, when it actually started coming down to it. I was just like, oh, shit. I got <laughs> yeah. to actually do this now. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always fun as like uh, the thought process part. The mm-hmm. brainstorming is always the most fun sometimes. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like that before? An art gallery? Mm-hmm. No, not on this level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's definitely nerves and intimidation. Like there's concerns that my crowd, my followers of, you know, their Instagram and everything mm-hmm. aren't, they don't see tattooing in that light, right? And again, I could be just general, I could be just making pure assumptions on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but that's where my, of course, my, uh, what would you call that? That inner mm-hmm. ego that's hard on yourself. Sure, sure, that, yeah. That, you know, that voice speaks to you, like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, that self-deprecating voice. 
that self-deprecating for sure. Like, oh, am I good enough to be able to do this? Like, uh, yeah, especially Mm -hmm. amongst this world where I haven't really exposed myself to. uh, I'm definitely nervous for sure for the show. Well, you know, I think anyone, any tattoo fan who, let's say, like, buys prints from artists or anything, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, there's no difference there, right? It's buying a piece of art to hang on your wall. That should be in a gallery, right? So yeah, I, so the big yeah. difference, I guess, in this is uh, money. Mm. <laughs> is you know, like we usually art tattooers, we go to conventions, and we and sometimes like on our websites and at the shop, we sell prints for like fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll hear people being like, "Oh, that's too much," uh, which is you know, that's an unfortunate thing to hear considering how much work is put into these things. Yeah. And now these ones I'm about to do, we're, these are more than like the six to nine hundred. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it gets scary, right? You're like, am I good enough for people to want to invest in me in that way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about it? Um, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Like, I'm definitely good. feeling good. I'm excited just for the experience. Like, we have an opening night, July 8th, from 7 to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like the only day I'll really be there. And like we'll be having, it's really cool. The Hardy Hooligans are going to be doing custom mini cupcakes for us. Oh, cute! Yeah, so there'll be drinks. So I'm excited to see who's going to show up and who's interested in the process of it. Like I'm excited to talk to people. Being what I'm most actually excited about is what piece connects to who. Hmm. Because uh, again, I love the observer part of things. Yeah. And I'll be so intrigued. Like if there's one called Rass. Yeah. Right? And if that's the one that does it for you, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, what what about the color scheme or the topic or the subject matter did it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what deep thing did that take at you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm excited for that. Yeah. Totally. Well, I'm very familiar with that series. As you know, you've had them on Instagram. I've seen them around before, your, your Seven Deadly Sins. Um, yeah, yeah. My my favorite is Lust. That one is my favorite. I think that one's so cool. Oh, uh, thank you. See, yeah. it would have been a cool idea to have the tattoos. So initially, there were some Deadly Sins, and there's a back piece project. Mm-hmm. Everyone had to get a full back of each design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that would be cool to have them at the show. Like, I was like, oh, that'd be cool to have them on display. Yeah. But then you realize, like, oh, that's displaying a human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, oh, it doesn't work that way. That's mm-hmm. not. I don't know if that's legal, but I mean, we have it, to pay them, you know. Yeah, I know, definitely spam. It mm-hmm. just would feel very. Could you imagine how exposing that would feel? <laughs> very modern art, though. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would be modern art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this has just been the natural progression and probably the ending of this masked series sins thing that I'm doing. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be time to move on. I, there are some, unfortunately, that will be won't be at the show that I need to finish, which is lust. Mm-hmm. Lust I save for the ending. Cool. Uh, and when the show is over, I'll probably have the next two, the last two done, mm-hmm. and I'll be doing like a second run, a second edition run of small prints. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it'll all depend on how the show goes first, though. Yeah. Is this like a drop-in thing, or should people buy tickets beforehand, yeah. or? No, no, you're, it's totally, just come on in, check it out. It's, uh, yeah, I, I strongly recommend, even like beyond mine, I strongly recommend checking out the joy section 
he has some really cool things planned. Wow, cool. I might yeah, just drop in, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that would be awesome if you can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Stephen. This is really cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Um, I'm just going to plug all your stuff again. So everybody listening, you can find Stephen online at Mr. Stephen James on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and his website at MrStephenJames.com. And definitely check out, you know, his gallery that's going to be um, available in July. Definitely check that out. And um, do you have anything else to say? Uh, no. Yeah, just uh, if you are wanting to get tattooed, check out my work on the website. And uh, the best way to contact me through that is to fill out the form that's on the website. Awesome. There we go. All right. Well, this is super fun. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining me. And you have a great night, dude. All right. You too. See you.